0: Hi, it's Jill Schlesinger, host of the Better Off podcast. On this week's episode, we're talking to Kelly Peeler. She is the CEO and founder of Vest. She's going to help you and your family get through the college application and financial aid process.
1: Right now, outstanding federal loans, $1.4 trillion. That's the largest bank in the country. It's more than mortgages and credit card debt combined
0: welcome to the better off podcast I'm your host Jill Schlesinger we're sponsored by Betterment the smarter way to invest your money well today is going to be a big day for a lot of people because those college acceptance letters are pouring in I know that you've spent the last days months years agonizing with your young scholar about which schools the right one for me and now it's gonna come to fruition something's gonna happen here you are going to find out where the kids are going. Of course, the next step, how are you gonna pay for it? Well, luckily, I've got a great guest for today, Kelly Peeler, who is the CEO and founder of Next Gen Vest. When you hear about the service that she has created through her company, you're gonna be all over it. You're also gonna get a little bit scared because she's gonna talk about the student loan debt bubble and the potential risk that that has for the entire U.S. economy. That's sort of a negative. I don't want to end on a negative. So here's your positive. Kelly's got lots of great ways to help you and your family pay for college. Don't forget to stay tuned at the end of the interview because we've got our... Better Off Caller of the Week. So remember, you got two chances to get on the air with us. Every Tuesday, we do the Better Off Bonus Call of the Week, and then we do the Question of the Week. And either way, we'd love to have you on. Just shoot us an email, askjill at betteroffpodcast.com. And, you know, you'll be doing us a big favor because... You know, I'm a certified financial planner, and I'm now the CFP board senior ambassador. Mark is actually sitting for his whole CFP coursework. So this is a good way to make sure that we're flexing our CFP muscle. So if you have a financial question, and it could be any topic, just shoot us an email. Let us know. We'd love to have you on the show. And without further ado, here is Kelly
2: Peeler. You're listening to Better Off with Jill Schlesinger.
0: Okay, it's time for the interview portion of the show. And let's just come clean. My guest is Kelly Peeler. She is the founder and the CEO of Next Gen Vest. Now, months ago, when we were getting ready to launch this podcast, I wrangled Kelly and I said, I want you to be among the very first guests that we have on the show. And she was kind enough to say, Absolutely. However, we had scheduled the interview. for a time where we thought it would be a really fun interview because we would be celebrating the first woman president of the United States. yeah. And instead, what we did was we had an interview the day after the election. We were both sleep deprived <laughs> yeah. and it was pouring rain in New York City. And we put an interview in the can that Mark and I listened to and we're like, ugh. we do not sound good <laughs> on that particular interview so Kelly back P- again back again <laughs> also not sleeping much yep. <laughs> your excuse is a better one than mine which is that uh, my dog barfed in the middle of the night on on the bed <laughs> oh goodness two o'clock in the morning Always so something. that was something you are out raising money for next gen vest can you first indulge me by answering the following question which sure. we ask on the better off podcast you ready sure What's the best money decision you've ever made?
1: The best money decision I've ever made, um, I mean, with my parents filling out the FAFSA uh, for college. Um, And I say that because we got free federal aid from the government. um, And a lot of people don't fill out the FAFSA to the tune of about $2.7 billion, which we've talked about before. And that's money that, you know, I didn't have to pay back, take out more loans. Um, so, over the course of my broader life, I would potentially still be paying off those types of loans if I didn't um, fill out the FAFS and get federal aid. How perfect
0: that, that dovetails into <laughs> your company, NextGenVest.com. Can you explain to our listeners what exactly you guys do at NextGenVest?
1: Absolutely. So um, we really consider ourselves to be the financial partner for Gen Z. So younger than millennials, um, our our core audience is really 17-year-olds to 24-year-olds, so high school and into college. Um, And what we do is we give them on-demand, customized help over text message around their biggest financial decision of their lives, taking out loans for college.
0: Okay. So we know that student loan debt is I don't know. Ridiculous. One point three trillion is that one point four now. Oh gosh. Yeah. One point (laughs) four trillion outstanding. There's not a enough of real education around this topic. Absolutely not. And so you are stepping into this void in some respects. Yeah. How did you decide? Besides your own experience, how did you decide to get involved in this?
1: I'm a wholehearted believer that the next financial crisis in the U.S is rooted in the student loan market.
0: Okay, I reason why I hate when you say that is that <laughs> I, it scares me, number one. Yep. Um, and you actually are not just saying that off the cuff, ladies and gentlemen, because Kelly Peeler graduated from Harvard where she studied the history of financial crises. Yes. So you don't take this lightly.
1: No, I mean this is why this is why I'm doing it. We've, we're a small team in New York City, but we really feel like we're doing our part to in some way prevent the next financial crisis um for our particular user, which are students. So, Kelly, explain to to all of us how
0: 1.3 trillion dollars that is owed primarily to the government. Yep. How would that cause a financial crisis? Because it is obviously different than right. having uh, money that is owed to a place that doesn't have a printing press, right? So right, how exactly. is, how would it cause a crisis?
1: Um, I mean, I, I really see the it, it ha- like the dynamics around the student loan market in three buckets, which really are. Or core three leading indicators to a consumer financial crisis. One is a change in consumer identity. So right now, to go to college is um, part of the American dream. Um, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy that everyone aspires to go to college. And I compare that to the most recent financial crisis, um, the housing crisis, where to be an American was home homeownership, um, where people are buying two, three houses, then they totally didn't need them. Um, the second is uh, a mispricing of risk within a particular asset class. So right now, the cost of um, going to college has increased 1,000% over the past 30 years. So there's really no downward pricing pressure, um, clearly, because it's only going up, um, which to finance that, people just take out more and more loans. So compare that again to the housing crisis, where housing, everyone thought it would just continually go up, and of course, that didn't happen. Um, So that risk was not priced into the actual asset class. The third is a basic lack of consumer protection around the actual economic decision-making process. So what I mean by that is if you are an 18-year-old kid, um, first-generation college student, or if you're lucky enough to even have parents who care about this type of stuff, um, if you get a financial aid package from a college, you know, you got into college, it's great, it's amazing, you got to five colleges, seven colleges, you will get what's called a financial aid award letter. And these things are the most confusing things that you can imagine. You need a PhD to read them. There's no um, designation of interest rates based on the different types of loans. So if you compare that to like credit cards, for example, interest rate disclosures are everywhere on the forms. Um, So basically the forms are super confusing. We have so many students who actually sign up for loans without actually realizing it um, which sounds ridiculous but if you were to look at these forms like we do day in day out it's it's very conceivable to see how that happens and I compare that again to the housing crisis where people were surprised when adjustable rate mortgages would go through the roof and this really has to do around the consumer protection of not telling people that that would happen so those are really the kind of the key three leading indicators right now outstanding Federal loans, 1.4 trillion dollars. That's the largest bank in the country. Um, It's more than uh, mortgages and credit card debt combined. So that's something that's just a massive amount of risk that the government is taking on. And by the way, it's not underwritten in any way. That's (laughs) kind of the
0: weird thing, isn't it? When you consider, you know, every other loan. I mean, yep. except for, I guess, in the financial crisis where they were like, well, do you have a heartbeat? Great. Here's 200 grand. <laughs> mm-hmm. But most other loans, they say, tell me about yourself. Now, right. I guess that when you're 17, what exactly are you going to tell them? Well, I'd really like to study poli sci. <laughs> but, but how would the process need to improve to help you feel more secure about going forward?
1: There should be standardization of all these forms. So, for example, we get the question over text message a lot. Um, a bizarre amount of students saying, wait a second, this is amazing. A school gave me $19,000 to go here, and we'll respond back. Actually, no, you owe $19,000 in federal loans, but it's categorized as aid. That basic lack of understanding should not happen, step number one. (laughs) So like, make these forms clearer. Not every university should have their own different type of form. It just doesn't even make sense.
0: What's sort of funny about it is, as you said, most of this is a federal loan program. Mm -hmm. And um, it's not as if the CFPB, which may cease to exist for all I know, where would this occur? The CFPB
1: would be a good place to start. And they've done a lot. I mean, so, for example, they charge Navient, um, which is the largest student loan servicer, with charges of fraud and misleading students around um, payments of their loans. Um, So they would be a good place to start around the standardization of the paperwork. We, hopefully in the future, will really advocate for that because we see our students and our users making mistakes unnecessarily. uh, And we really feel like we're protecting our users.
0: Let's just presume that for now we're not going into a (laughs) cascading, horrible crisis. Please, goodness gracious you're a high school or college student yep you need help with forms or you've got questions about what you just got back you're getting your package you text six four six seven nine eight seventeen forty five yep and what happens next
1: and you text the free code For your listeners better off better to that number (laughs) and then and what happens is you are matched um, with what we call a money mentor which is a trained college student um, who will guide you through the whole process Um, so it's kind of like your personal assistant through this really confusing like loan paperwork and forms um, for financial aid
0: I want you to answer some of the questions that you get for example how do I find scholarships I can actually apply to
1: Absolutely. So this is something that um, money mentors can help any student with. We find that tons of students um, actually getting very overwhelmed by the scholarship process. So they'll, there's like tons of scholarship websites out there and they'll, you know, spend two hours looking for them and then they'll get overwhelmed because they think that they won't win them. So what we do is um, we've actually built matching algorithms so that um, a money mentor will find key matches, go into those scholarship websites, um, and then find like your highest percentage ones that you could win.
0: I love that. I think that's so smart. It's just a
1: time saver. Right. So and also, you actually hopefully do apply. <laughs> and a scholarship is free. Yes. Free that's, money.
0: Right. So yes. Okay. For completing the FAFSA form, by the way, did I ever read, read some crazy thing that like The downloading ability from the IRS has been disabled just when I
1: need it? Right. Are you kidding me? What you're referring to is um, the IRS retrieval tool was uh, essentially deactivated. So what that means is when you apply for financial aid, which everyone listening to this should, um, you fill out what's called the FAFSA, which is like the main document that gives you access to free federal aid from the government um, if you qualify so what happened to the FAFSA is the IRS retrieval tool uh, was deactivated which just makes it much harder to pull in your tax returns.
0: right because it was automatically pulling yep. last year's returns yep. in and they disabled it because of security
1: issues security and honestly there's just a lot of changes going on right now and so it's something that um, un- is, is very unfortunate because students will just miss out on more free money from the government and ultimately take out more loans
0: okay um, you get your package yes you get the information Can you negotiate with your college?
1: Yes. Um, So in terms of... The process itself. So you get into college, this is happening this spring right now, um, which is amazing and you're super excited as a family. Um, You might get into five or seven colleges or however many. um, You will get the acceptance letter from the university and then you'll get a financial aid award letter. And this is essentially like the tuition bill. So it has the breakdown of scholarships, loans um, that you're quote unquote being granted, which is an odd (laughs) terminology for it because you're borrowing money. You can go back to that university and say, hold on a second um, is there any way that I could get more financial aid meaning free money not loans and we found a lot of success helping our users do that to the tune of last spring we helped students um, negotiate two hundred seventy thousand um, dollars to get more free money in financial aid
0: okay real-life question happens yep. this morning I show up at work and one of the guys in the control room pulls me aside <laughs> says to me I'm getting hammered on my kids college mm-hmm. Yep. And he said, uh, I make too much money to get anything. First, he asked me, is there anything that happens on your taxes if, you know, I said, mm-hmm. well, there's a the lifetime learning credit. There's the American Opportunity Credit. But, you know, they get phased out with income. Do you make more than $130,000? Do you and your wife? He's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. He goes, but I don't make that much more. I make like $150,000, and I'm getting the slammed. The middle class. Yeah. He says, I am getting, and that's middle class here in New York City. So just right, yeah, well, before, yeah, ever, before <laughs> everyone freaks out on us, okay? So um, what does someone like that do? What does a family like that that has, say, $150,000, yep. you don't go to a Harvard mm-hmm. that has a beautiful endowment where you're right. going to get a lot of money. You yep. go to some other liberal arts school that is expensive. Yep. Do you still fill out
1: the FAFSA? Absolutely. By the way, it's not a guarantee that you get money, but you might as well try. Um, it maybe takes you an hour to two hours if you have all the forms together. So it's not a beautiful process, but you might as well fill out the FAFSA. We recommend every single person fill out the FAFSA. What he can do uh, is he can try to negotiate his son or daughter's Tuition at the top university that they want to go to. So there's a few reasons why that might work. One is because the university itself really wants his son or daughter. Um, so for example, we helped a student get $50,000 to go to Wharton at UPenn because they really wanted this student. What? Yeah, um, which is great. And he's, you know, he's studying abroad in France right now. So <laughs> and that's, that's it's only possible because of that. I love that. Um, the second reason is, is really because of a change in financial situation. And this goes back to why it's important to fill out the FAFSA. Because If, for example, you applied to a college, um, they sent you a financial aid package, and um, a parent loses a job, or uh, you have huge medical bills for some reason, that could constitute a change in financial situation, which could um, prompt the university to reevaluate your financial aid package. And the third reason is because you can kind of think of financial aid from a university as like a pie. So there's only a certain amount of dollars that they have, and sometimes they have a little less few slices left over. Um, So whether that's because enrollment isn't as high or people, you know, they just miscalculated it, there's sometimes financial aid left over. So you might as well, again, it's not a guarantee, but you might as well ask.
0: And you have to complete the FAFSA form every year, right? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Next question for you. So we can negotiate. You got the FAFSA forms. You've got scholarships. What else are you helping kids navigate as they contemplate the financial implications of college?
1: When a student is going through this process, especially when they've gotten into schools, we really encourage them to actually like write out an equation of understanding, okay, this is how much the out-of pocket cost is. This is how much I will have to pay back. so loans. This is what I'm thinking of majoring in. this these are the you know, the the tiered um, salaries that I could make based on this major. What is that back of the envelope repayment? time period look like? And what does my quality of life look like? And that's really important because positioning 20 years worth of loans to an 18-year-old and having to live at your parents' basement feels a lot different after then comparing it to a school where you might have five years worth of loan payments and you can live in a city with your friends.
2: This is Better Off with Jill Schlesinger.
0: Okay, we're going to get back to our interview with Kelly Peeler in a minute, but I'm sure that listening to this is conjuring up a lot of anxiety for some of you. Maybe you've got young kids and you're asking that perennial question of how on earth am I going to be able to afford to pay for college? Should I saddle my kids with loans? Should I saddle myself, my family with loans? These are such big questions and they lead to other bigger questions. Do I put money into college funding or do I put money into retirement? Am I even managing my money the right way? You know, these are all questions that are flowing through our lives all the time. And there are so many unknowns and I know it's hard. What do you do? Well, our sponsor Betterment believes that they've got answers to many of these questions. Betterment has technology that helps you plan for the future and manage your investments intelligently. They also pay quite close attention to lowering fees and minimizing taxes. Betterment checks all the boxes. Globally diversified portfolio, automatic rebalancing, you know, making sure everything's in the right place, tax efficiency, award-winning customer service. They're also fiduciaries. You know, they got to put your needs first. And for those who may have more complex finances, you know, you're trying to juggle your college, your retirement, your idea about a second home. Maybe you want someone to talk to about which should be your priority at what point in your life. Betterment now has two additional service plans that give you access to a team of CFP professionals and licensed financial experts. You don't have to waste your time and money doing all this work yourself. Sign up through our podcast link and you can get one month managed for free. Visit Betterment.com slash better off for the offer and more information. And now back to our interview with Kelly Peeler. So, you know, what happens is we'll get calls to the show and you know that Mark completely goes ballistic when he hears $200,000 of outstanding debt. He freaks out on their behalf. Right. That's a scary case, but that's not the most classic case Talk about what is the not average, but I would say the the most common type of student borrower coming out of school. What does that look like? I know the average yeah. is thirty five or forty thousand, thirty, 30 seven, right? Bars. Yep. And what does that mean for that kid's life? Do you think?
1: It's funny because we are now dealing with a lot of students who graduate college and are surprised by how much they owe. Um, So they've procrastinated because they're frankly, like, afraid of looking online to see how much they actually owe in total. And that sounds... Insane. How could you be surprised? But yeah, but that really, could be like
0: I'd gain twenty five pounds, and I don't yeah. want to get on the scale. Yeah, that we do a, that every okay. so, in every yeah. part of our lives. <laughs> so
1: we're we're empathetic to that user and to that student. But what it looks like is a student will um, will you know essentially come to terms. They have a six month grace period. They tend to after they graduate from college, and then you literally owe, owe payments on those loans. And so what we recommend is that when you get to that point. You should definitely look into things like income-based repayment programs, um, so that if you qualify, for example, if you work at a nonprofit or if you're a teacher, you could reduce the monthly interest payments that you have to make on your loans. And if you like, if you work in the military, um, there's just different options that can and reduce lo- those loan payments.
0: Right, and and those those aren't just even like the income-based repayment is one thing, but it's also I love those public loan forgiveness yes. programs,
1: yes. which are huge, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely, but I, only for your federal loans, right? Um, and that's in an really important distinction is that a lot of people don't fully understand the difference. So federal loans means money from the government, which tend to have lower interest rates. Private loans means money from banks, like a Wells Fargo, a Citizens, a Discover. Um, and those usually have higher interest rates, anywhere from like 9 to 13%. If you have two of those different buckets, you have different terms for both of them. And it's really important, again, to know where they are online, to know when the payments are, because you um, you can't get out of loan payments. So even if you delay, it's you're never escaping it. You can't default it. So you, you really need to know if you owe that money.
0: Now, Mark would like to know, because he is a very generous uncle, (laughs) he wants to know, what is the impact of saving for college on your ability to secure grants, loans, scholarships? So, for example, he puts money away for his nieces and his nephews, and it's in a 529 plan. Mark, are you the owner or is your sister the owner? Okay, so Mark's the owner and the beneficiary is the kid. What happens when that kid now applies for financial aid? I presume because that's money that's mm-hmm. earmarked for the kids. Yep. he gets assessed at a higher rate than mm-hmm. having no money, although it is some money.
1: I'm a believer in 529 plans. Um, honestly, just like even the, to start the conversation, to be planning ahead, the the whole purpose of a 529 plan is that you're starting early. I would follow the exact same processes, though. You should still um, submit your FAFSA. You should still try to negotiate your tuition. You should. You should do all the steps that I laid out. It might affect things like need-based aid or Pell grants. Shouldn't affect things like merit-based scholarships. Meaning, if you're you have great academics or great test scores, the the school really wouldn't look at that to judge um, whether you would qualify for it.
0: As you now think about this, you are not yet a parent, and yet you talk to parents all the time, and they're <laughs> freaking out. Yeah. And uh, how? early should you have these conversations with your kids i feel like some of the issues might arise because people are waiting very late in the process yes. to say you know kelly we actually can't afford for right. you to go to harvard
1: yeah <laughs> well and that's it's funny that you say harvard because over text message as well we help students curate a college list And that's really important. And we try to do that early junior year because what happens is that students will go on a college campus and they'll get sold and they'll be like, this is my dream school. I have to do everything in my power to to get to this school. And as if any of your listeners have any kids, they will know that a student who wants something is very convincing and persuasive um, until they actually get that. So I would say, Honestly, if you're a parent, starting the conversation freshman in high school is a good time before you're actually just like haphazardly visiting college campuses. And it happens to be sunny and you go to a great football game. And then all of a sudden this becomes your dream school. So starting that early and coming up with a, a list. And the reason why I said Harvard was interesting is because a lot of families don't apply To top top-tier schools because they think it's too expensive. And the fact of the matter is, if you have need and you get into a Columbia, a Princeton, um, a Stanford, chances are they have big enough endowments and and aid packages that they could actually help meet your need.
0: If you need help, Kelly Peeler and her company, NextGenVest.com, they have your back. So (laughs) here's what you're going to do. Everybody, calm down. All this is going to be in our show notes. If you need help with the process, you're going to have your kid, not you, by the way.
1: Right. And that's funny because we have parents sometimes pretending to be kids on our service. Oh, my (laughs) gosh. Come on. (laughs) We're happy to help them, but our service is very much so geared. I mean, we send like emojis and gifts to make the process comfortable for our students. So if you're a parent... You might just kind of be like what the heck are these people texting me but it's really to make it a friendly process for you know an 18 year old 19 year old
0: okay so you're gonna encourage your kid to do this because you know what your kids gonna own this his or her academic career and the process and by the way the debt I'm not a big fan <laughs> of parents co-signing loans mm-hmm. I'm really not so don't go into hock to get your kid a four-year kegger six four six seven nine eight one seven four five that is next-gen vest and you're going to text better off, which is the name of this program. And your free code. And yes. your free code. And you are going to get a real live person yep. talking to you. So that is super amazing and um, I always thank you so much for educating me and scaring the daylights out of me also <laughs>
1: well, it's not it's not scary if you come up with a plan
0: okay Kelly we started the program and I asked you your best money decision and you said sure. completing the FAFSA form yes a Harvard graduate got her own TED talk got her own company <laughs> got all this stuff happening what's the worst financial decision you made
1: I went to Victoria's Secret my freshman year in college, um, had a little bit of spending money from lifeguarding, and um, went to Victoria's Secret, and they were like, oh, well, do you want this to be 30% off? Just take out this card. I was like, of course I want a, you know to reduce my purchase by 30%, and didn't realize that that was a credit card, and basically just like threw the thing out, and of course, I didn't check any mail, because who checks mail, um, and that totally wrecked my credit score.
0: Really? Yeah. How long did it take you to recover from that? Still, stop it
1: (laughs) this is like freshman year yeah oh
0: my gosh would you say that you had the worst credit score at Davos (laughs) 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 the first time I met that's an inside joke the first time I met Kelly we were trying to get together and she's like oh I'm going to Davos I'm like what That's so great. Oh, my
1: gosh, cracked me up. <laughs> All right.
0: Kelly Peeler, Next Gen Vest, Check it out. 646-798-1745. Thank you for doing a Absolutely. redo. And you of know course. I love you. And I hope this company just changes the way the college financial planning and just the college process really work yeah. for families. You're doing good stuff, Thank kiddo. You. All right. Take care.
2: You're listening to Better Off with Jill Schlesinger.
0: Okay, it's time for our favorite part of the program. Yep, it's your calls. If you would like to get on the air live with me, just send us an email, askjill at com. That's askjill at com. Right now, we're going to talk to Beth. Hi, Beth. Where are you calling from this morning?
2: Hi, I'm calling from Oregon.
0: Nice. I know that I'm not supposed to say Oregon, so I'm going to say it the right way. Let me see if I do it right. Oregon. Very good. Okay, what's on your mind? How can I help you out, Beth?
2: I'm in my mid-40s and I'm married and I'm just starting back to a full-time job. I was doing some consulting work over the last couple of years. And so with our added income coming in, um, we have a decision to make about our money. We either have to put the maximum, or we're already putting the maximum in our retirements, and we only have one loan, um, no card debt or anything like that. We have one loan on our second, Home slash rental. Okay. So, my question for you, and we have two kids, they're 11 and 13, and they're getting, and so we're working on their college accounts too. Okay. I'd say we have those about halfway funded in 529s. Okay. um, But I hesitate to put too much money in their 529s. um, Yeah. You know, thinking they might have scholarships, that kind of thing.
0: Or listen, they could be bust outs and not go to college. One could basically say like, you know what, mom? Love you. Thanks for that 529 money, but I'm going to just go uh, ride my motorcycle cross country. And then you can just move the other money into the kid who's going to be the good student. So I agree with you. I don't like overfunding 529s. So how much is in each of the 529s right now?
2: about $60,000 in them
0: okay great and you said you're maxing out your retirement plan so you're both putting away the $18,000 max
2: yes well I have been uh, I have had a solo 401k Beautiful. The last number of years so I maxed it out and I put my own um, profit sharing in there as well So
0: so you got yes. up over 50 grand for that
2: um, not quite 50 grand, but yep. We between all of our retirement, um, contributions for sure. Okay, so great. We, we've been doing really well on retirement contributions. So my question for you, and so now that I'm starting a steady job, I'll do my 18% get the company match, right? Mm-hmm. We are not eligible for five, uh, for, uh, the Roth IRAs. Mm-hmm. So I think we've, we've done what we can there. So my question for you is, should I take the extra money and, pay off our mortgage for this rental slash second home it's it's pretty low it's about four percent or should i be stacking away like money in after tax brokerage accounts or Mm -hmm. you know savings accounts so that i can fill in their college um savings when i need it
0: um well here's what i would say i think that if you've got um you said you've got a second home is it and i think you said it was a rental property is that correct
2: Yes, we
0: do rent it. I'm Mm -hmm. I'm not like that keen on paying off a 4% note on a rental property because, first of all, you're deducting. You know, you you get to deduct that, right? And it's good to offset the income that's coming in. So I wouldn't necessarily pay off that 4% note. I think in terms of free cash flow, I am much more likely to encourage you to have some non-retirement, non-529 savings and build up your nest egg. Again, I don't want to necessarily overfund the 529s. You said you've got 60 grand in each of them. And, you know, maybe you put a little bit extra in because you presume that the kids are going to go to private or public school.
2: I would like them to go wherever they would like. But um, oh. I'm. I'm, I'm planning for a public school right now.
0: Okay. I
2: mean, like, so that
0: that's why I wouldn't necessarily put a lot more in there. I, I think that having a non-retirement chunk of assets is a good idea. You know, there is one other thing that you guys could consider that could be interesting, just because uh, the, the your age, you're, you said you're in your mid-40s. What about your spouse, also mid-40s? Also mid-40s, yeah. Okay. I mean, one other thing to consider is that, you know, you can have some money that's outside of the, of the 529 and also outside of retirement. And maybe even what you do is start looking at potentially maybe not this second, but a backdoor Roth, which is essentially you would make a contribution as a non-deductible IRA and then eventually convert that into a Roth, meaning that your money would already be taxed, right? But that would sort of be a play on the future in saying that I would have three different piles of money. I would have money that is fully taxed already in just a plain old investment account. I would have my tax-deferred money, which is the money that you put away in your solo 401k or in these various 401ks that you've accumulated over time, but then you would have some tax-free money that is in the Roth that can grow for a long time, and you know again, I think that that might be an idea. You don't have you don't have a huge need, That's yeah. True. It's it's something to just keep in the back of your mind, I guess. Because, I mean, you have probably a good chunk of assets right now. If you added up all the retirement money, how much would it be?
2: Um, you know, we we've started since we our first paychecks out of out of school. And so I'd say we're nearing million dollars. We each probably have close to $500,000 in
0: our... Yeah. I mean, you've done an amazing job. I mean, and and the funny thing is that, you know, a lot of times we've talked about the Roth and we'll say, we'll say Roth IRA, great for young people because your tax bracket is probably going to rise in the future. But here you are, you are somebody who's already being taxed at a good chunk of money. You've made money But the reason why you are more interested in accumulating a Roth asset is that it has just abundant flexibility as you get older. Because remember, the money that you pull out of the, the Roth, the qualified distribution, that money has already been taxed. So you don't care about what tax rate you're in. And it, it might be a way for you to kind of pull money out of, of of one account that's you don't have to worry about adding to your tax burden at a time where, you know, obviously the million bucks that's in the retirement now is going to grow and you're going to have to be take that out as a minimum required distribution. So I would say th- that you may want to investigate those two things. One is plain old brokerage account, kind of boring, but it works. Keep those fees low. The other is the backdoor Roth. And, and you let me know what you think. I think that, um, both, you could do a, maybe a little bit of both of those and start building up the types of assets you have. It does give you tons of flexibility as you get towards that retirement age.
2: That's interesting. I didn't realize I could actually contribute if we were over the income limits for the Roth.
0: So, right. So again I
2: will be looking into that.
0: Backdoor Roth, you make a non-deductible IRA contribution, then convert it into a Roth. So go check that out and okay. um thank you so much for calling. Beth, good luck. You're doing a great job.
2: You're doing a great job on the podcast. I'm really enjoying it.
0: Thanks thank so you. much. Take care. Okay, that's it. That's the show. Thanks so much to Kelly Peeler, the CEO and founder of NextGen Vest, and thank you for listening. Don't forget, there's a new episode of the Better Off Podcast every Thursday. You can subscribe via iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have any questions or suggestions, you can find me on Twitter. My handle is at Jill on Money. That's at Jill on Money. Just use the hashtag Better Off. You can also reach me via email, askjill at betteroffpodcast.com. That's askjill at betteroffpodcast.com. And if you wouldn't mind, please leave us a review or a rating in iTunes. It really will help us out. Better Off is sponsored by Betterment. Our music is composed by Joel Goodman. Mark Delarcio produces. I'm Jill Schlesinger. See you next week.